0: Praise the Lord. This week is our final lesson, our final installment on our marriage series called Love Birds. Again, by way of reminder, if you weren't with us for the first week, we didn't have um, uh, the, the, the the image. Is, of course, lovebirds. It's not of animals praying mantises that when the female mates with the male, that the female actually eats the male. So we didn't think that would be a good image. Uh, to how many know marriages, but you do know some marriages that they actually eat one another. <laughs> They're out to try to destroy one another. Uh, we don't want that. Um, but what we've done every week for the prior, prior, previous two weeks, and we'll do it again this week, is that we really just gave you one word to remember, one, one drive home point. The, the first week we talked about our hearts and not to let our heart grow hardened. Physically, we know that if our heart gets hardened, the muscles of our heart get hardened, it's going to constrict and restrict the flow of blood to our body. If our hearts get hardened towards our spouse, it will restrict and constrict the life of God flowing from us to our spouse. We see it all the time. You see it, that you walk into a situation and there's tension. You walk into a marriage, you walk into a house, you're with your friends, and all of a sudden there's that uneasy uneasy feeling. It could just be an argument that happened. It could be an ongoing thing. It could be the beginning of a hardened heart. And when there's a hardened heart, again, we know it leads to heart attack. And that's the cessation, the ending of life, where all of a sudden a marriage ends in divorce, and that's not God's will. Last week, we talked about boundaries. Boundaries, a fence in your yard, a boundary in your yard. Uh, uh, come on. It keeps things in, and it keeps things out. It tells you what belongs to you. It tells you what doesn't belong to you. And so we talked about boundaries today. want to give you just one word. We are really only going to look at one passage of Scripture. I'm not going to talk to you super long today. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. But we're going to drill down on it. So come on. When I say that generally, I talk real long. So we'll see if that really works. So so we'll see if it works. Uh, But we're going to give you one word again. We talked about the heart not being hardened. We talked about boundaries. And today our word is this one word, Together, come on, say that word, together, together, together. So here's what I found is this, is that marriages that consistently do things together last forever. Is that you have to keep finding out how to do things together. You got to get involved in each other's life. If it's going to PTA, if it's hanging out in the soccer field with the kids, if it's going shopping at Costco, if it's just taking a drive to get a coffee, you got to find out how to do life together with your spouse. Um, th- this is true. You can, you can look it up, it's on the World Wide Web, so it's got to be 100% true. <laughs> but it is true. Uh, Uh, Two trained horses uh, pulling, uh, you know, pulling uh, separately will only be able to pull what they can pull. But two trained horses, when they join together, will be able to pull three times as much when they're working together. It's not just double, it's three times as much. So being together, being Pulling together in the same thing with marriage, being pulling together in the same way is going to cause a multiplied effect in your and my marriages. And yet what we see in so many marriages aren't marriages pulling together, but they're actually pulling apart. They're they're, they're moving in a wrong direction. Uh, uh, Kimberly said this a moment ago, mentioned the word soulmate. So, so she actually stole this from me because she picked, She read my notes. Uh, but, but here it is, is that, is that you, you don't need a soulmate. Listen, you, you don't need a soulmate, you need a teammate. You don't need a soulmate. And so by, by the way of reminder where the soulmate junk came out well, was through the new age people. And the new age people say that um, uh, what they say with the soulmate is that you've spent your life many lives over with this soul. This isn't the first time you've come in my life. We've spent many lives together. How many of us just crazy and demonic? But they say a soulmate can be a friend. Soulmate can be a romantic partner. Soulmate can be a family member. And all those things mm, might be true. But you don't need a soulmate in marriage. You need a teammate. You need a teammate that we're going to pull in this direction. It's just not me giving 100 and you giving 100. We're about to give about three or 400 here pulling this direction. We need that in our families and we don't see that. Um, I would say across the board that marriages, most marriages, or not most, I'd say many marriages, have just turned what I've called it into marriages of convenience. So I'm going to read to you just a couple of things that I was thinking about the last three or four weeks and I wrote down. It'll be on the screen, a little bit lengthy, but you can read it and you can see it. But but marriages that just are are together, relationships are together just because of convenience, not because of, of covenant. The Bible talks about marriage as a covenant. In other words, I've been cut, you've been cut, and we're together on this thing. Nothing's now going to tear us apart. This covenantal marriage is, is typical, and is the, the, the picture of it, is what we see in Matthew or excuse me, in Ephesians chapter five, when, when the, the, the marriage is a mirror of how Christ loves the church, and Jesus died for the church. So now in my marriage, I've got to and we'll talk about it the most challenging thing for this boy up here is to die for my marriage, because I like to live, and I don't like to die, and dying's pain, and dying's hurt. And dying's, I got to deal with myself and I got to crucify myself daily, not just to stay away from sin, but to keep myself committed to the gal over here that I said yes to. I've cut covenant. I'm together. But I just don't want to be together I want to thrive, and I want to go from glory to glory. Come on. I don't want to be old sitting on a rocking chair in Cracker Barrel and going, "Ah, oh, where is she at today, and oh, spitting and chewing my cigarette. I don't want to be that guy. Come on, somebody. I want to be full of life and saying, glory to God, she's in Cracker Barrel. Bless her, Lord. Come on. Only the women clapped right there. I could fit could, right there. Here we go. So let's talk about some things that, 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 I, that I see about these marriages of convenience. Here it is on the screen, they're just partners. They're just partners. More than just friends in most cases, but not completely committed for life, just partners. It's just an agreement or an arrangement and not equal partners. One always feels like they're being taken advantage of. I see this, they're just players or pretenders. They mess with each other's emotions. They play mental games. They drop verbal bombs on their spouse. They don't have a long-range future or vision because something more appealing might come along. Hmm. There's no real care or concern for one another anymore. They've turned into what I call actors. They're never vulnerable. They're never open. They're never transparent. They're not committed to the hard work of self-growth. So any real, deep, meaningful communication is just non-existent, just not there. Um, Let me just take a step back before I give you the last thought here I'm thinking about. But marriage, (laughs) marriage does not bring you so much into confrontation with your spouse as it requires you to confront yourself. So about the time I'm getting puffed up and I'm getting, mm, and I'm getting, it's like, okay, hey, 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 what's going on inside you, big boy? You better confront yourself about that issue in your life. Because it's not her, it's many times me. It's many times me. Thank you for your awkward silence there. Because <laughs> I know we're on the marriage, we're all in the same thing together. Listen to me makes no difference if you're a pastor or you're a believer. I'm a believer too. I don't got no special anointing in my marriage. I got to dig down. I got to drill down. I got to sacrifice. I got to deal with my flesh just like you do. Last thing I see that I'm just looking at this morning is that, and this is what we see all over Southern California and probably all over America right now, uh, that they've just become equal providers, equal providers. Uh, what what each gets by staying together is better than staying single? So they do enjoy a better quality of life, but it's treated as an exchange mutually beneficial to both parties, but many issues are are just tolerated and they retain a certain facade and they're They're, they're not together for love and purpose, but they're just together for lifestyle I, 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 I want to live in the house and I like the car and I can't cu- if I move out I can't afford this and the kids can't have this. So we're just going to be together because we like all this. And that's a house of cards. These type of marriages that I've just described, and maybe you're there today, um, what I've seen again over the course of my life, you know, 30, almost 39 years of marriage is that these people never ask for Never ask for any help, never go see a counselor or therapist, never find a Christian role model or couple that's older, successful in marriage and ask for help. And anytime you ask them, how you doing? How's your marriage doing? Man, we're good. We're good. It's all good. But they're never good. And the seed's there and the hardening is there and the boundaries have been broken and the togetherness is tearing apart. And so we're going to see probably unless there's a surrender to Jesus and the will of God and the word of God, we're going to see a dissolval of, of that marriage. It never happens overnight. It's a slow crack. It's a, slow, it's, a, it's a tiny crack. It's a crevice that's never addressed. So my prayer is that you and I would address how come we're not good together. This is not the healthy Christian marriage that God wants for all of us. It's not God's design, our design. God's design is that we do life together. And I can tell you, there's going to be challenging seasons. There's going to be tough times financially, tough times with communication, tough times if you're dealing with sexual wants and needs, Tough times raising the kids, tough times about what you're doing and where you're going, the job and the commitment. There's gonna be all kinds of things that we have to face in marriage, but if you're not careful, there will be a drift in your marriage relationship that one day you'll find yourself out to sea all alone and asking yourself, how? did we get here? The reason you got there was because there was an undertow that slowly, consistently brought you out and you and I never addressed the problem or the issue. Somehow, someway, we got to take the mask off. We've got to be real and authentic and vulnerable and transparent with our spouse and or maybe somebody else and say, I, we, Need some help up in here and let Jesus heal us and get us on the right track. Does that sound all right, everybody? Say, come on, clap your hands, all you people. All right, told you one scripture, that's it. One scripture, uh, one, one portion of scripture, three verses, Psalm 133. Write it down, mark it down. Listen, this is your Bible study all week. Read Psalm 133. It's three verses. You could read it 10 times a day. Read it every day, get it in you. Let's read it together. Come on, Psalm 133. Come on, read it with me out loud. One, two, three, go. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. In unity. Verse 2, it is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. One more verse, you're doing good. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen, everybody. Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, if you you have a hard print Bible at your house, ha- come on, you, you, you do have a real Bible at your house, don't you? Right. Come, come on, come on, if, come on. How many of y'all just got, no, don't raise your hand. If you just got an electronic, if you just got an electronic Bible like I do, you know, I've got all my versions here and I got all, if you just got it here, what happens if the World Wide Web goes down? Come on, you got to have a hard paperback Bible. Right. Come on. Where you can mark down, you can put some notes in, and you can highlight, come on, everybody. Uh, So Psalm Psalm, uh, 120 through 134, you'll see in your hardback Bible or softback, whatever it is, uh, you'll see they're they're called the Psalms of Ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T, not uh, Ascent, Climb. And what they were were Psalms that the nation of Israel would read as they would travel back to Jerusalem for feasts and for things that they did on a regular basis, there were psalms of ascent. They were sung. They were spoken. They would talk about these psalms. That's how the nation of Israel remembered the word of God consistently. they talk about it. Uh, uh, and again, so they would be on their way to Jerusalem for their, their annual sacrifices. They'd worship the Lord. They'd have animal sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. And so what I want to just say to you right away is that this psalm is something you should remember and come back to on a regular basis. All the word of God, of course. But these psalms, even Psalm 133, is something I think that is so uh, predominant for us to remember that it is a psalm of ascent, a psalm as I travel, a psalm as I do life, I need to remember. Now think with me. You're in the nation of Israel, and there's thousands of people coming from the hood to Jerusalem. They're coming by train, plane, and automobile. Hashtag movie. Come on, somebody. And they're they're going to Jerusalem. They're walking. They're, they're, They're around all these people. Listen to me. That they might like, might not like. Somebody that owes them some money. Somebody that's dating their girlfriend now. Come on, there's all kinds of issues going on with all these people making their way to worship. And the scripture tells us, as you make your way to worship, behold, how good and how pleasant it is if you dwell with all them other folk with unity. With unity, that you're together. together. A side note to this that I see is this. (laughs) Who you travel with, hang with, or run with, or who you're married to is greatly going to determine your song. Who you do life with will determine how you sing. If you're singing (laughs) country western songs backwards, (laughs) or you're singing praise and honor, Because the people you're hanging around with, the spouse that you've married, is bringing that and drawing that out of you. The scripture says here, it's good and pleasant for brothers to dwell together. Brother, fellow Christian, Jewish people, Old Testament, Christians in the New Testament. It's good, acceptable, it's pleasant that we dwell together in unity. If it's good for me and you to dwell together in unity, how much more is it in my marriage relationship? How much more? Good and pleasant means excellent, and it means sweet. So when you and I think, when you think about your marriage relationship, is it excellent and is it sweet? Is that the the thought that comes to your mind when you think about your marriage relationship? I believe with all my heart that our marriages will only function as designed When we're unified together, when we're unified together, when we're connected together and we're moving about the business that God's called us to be in, unity, listen to me, unity, togetherness has got to be predominant in the minds of every husband and every wife because there is the number one or one of the top tactics of the enemy and it is called Division. He will try to come into your marriage and divide you. Listen, from one another, from stupid stuff. It'll be stupid stuff that starts the argument. It's never really the big stuff. I mean, there's all kind of big stuff, but it's the stupid stuff. And so, what we know from the nature of God is that God is completely unified with Himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Completely unified. And that tells us that in the marriage relationship, I must be completely unified with my wife spirit, soul, and body. Let's say it, let's get it out of the way right now. Disunity dissolves marriage. Disunity dissolves marriage. There is nothing about being disunited in any kind of little thing. You think it's small, but it could turn to something big. Fight it, deal with it when it's small. How good and how pleasant it is when we dwell together, we live together, we abide together as husband and wife in unity. The scripture then tells us something crazy. If you read it, we just read it. It's going to give us two pictures. Two pictures, that's it. Told you I'm not going to be preaching long this morning. Two pictures. And the two pictures, number one... Talk about this guy named Aaron, who was the high priest. It's on the screen. Look at it. This unity is like the precious oil, the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. This unity is just like God gives the nation of Israel, the Old Testament folks, this picture of who Aaron was and what his job and what his assignment was. Aaron, again, was the high priest. His job was to offer sacrifices to God for the people's sin. He, he was consecrated. He, he was, uh, scripture tells us he had to be anointed with oil before he actually represented the people before God's presence. He had to be anointed with oil. This tells us and this shows us these two images. We'll read the second one in just a moment. But the oil of God's presence, listen to me, the oil of God's presence who is the person of the Holy Spirit, allows you and I in our marriages to experience unity. The oil of God's presence. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. you got to fight in your marriage to keep the presence of God there. People dwelling together, Scripture tells us, in unity, is likened to oil. Oil. Oil softens that which is hard. Oil makes things better. The nation of Israel, their whole culture was based off of oil. Not only for sacrifices, but how they ate, what they did with it, all that stuff. So let's just say again today, no unity, no oil. If there's no unity in your marriage, there will be no oil. There will be no presence of the Holy Spirit. It's almost like God saying, if you don't deal with fighting together, being together, I'm going to let you duke it out until you get united and get me in the midst of it. Let me come in the midst of your relationship. Don't fight to be right. Come on, somebody. You need to stay together and work this thing out. Come on, everybody. Amen, everybody? Yeah. Now, I think it's interesting. Call me a Bible nerd if you want, but I think it's interesting. Notice how the oil runs down. It was poured on Aaron's head. It ran down his beard, the scripture said, all the way down to the edges of his robe. I see it, again, call me strange. I see the imagery here for us to consider is that the anointing oil of unity is gonna affect several areas of your life. Number one, it's gonna affect your head, your head. This is your mind. How you think about your spouse. Aaron was anointed on the top of his head. On the top of his head. How I'm thinking about my spouse. How I think about her in this season of our life. How I'm, am I still, am I still, do I still think good thoughts over her? Am I still for her? Am I still pushing for him? Am I still praying for him? How I think about him when I'm not even around, when they're not even around. Secondly, I see here is that the scripture says that that anointing came from his head down to his beard, down to his beard. Where's your beard if you're a man? It's close to your mouth. How you talk about your spouse or how you talk about your spouse, how you talk to them. The anointing of God, the presence of God has got to affect how I think. It's got to affect how I speak. So I just can't be crazy and with my tongue to my wife. I can't be calling her names, talking her down. And I can't be doing that and be pleasing to God. There is no anointing on that. There is no oil on that. James says that your tongue is like a fire from hell. That it can say bless you and curse you out of the same mouth. You and I got to know how to control this tongue. Man. Starts on my head, how I think. Starts there, how I think. So how are you thinking about your spouse? How are you thinking? So you're thinking, and then guess pretty soon you're saying, and then when you're saying it, it just doesn't stay in your head and in your mouth, it gets down to your feet. The anointing dripped from his head to his mouth to his feet. Where you go, where you walk when you're not with your spouse. Where you walk on the internet when you're not with your spouse. Where you walk with your buddies when you're not with your spouse. Where your feet take you. The anointing oil, the presence of God to keep me, you and your spouse together has got to affect my thinking, my speaking and what I do. Where it's taking me, where my life is taking me. That's interesting that the anointing, this oil in the Old Testament, this anointing that that Aaron was anointed with um, was different. It wasn't just ordinary oil. In fact, we we read it a moment ago. The psalmist called it, maybe you didn't pick it up. He called it precious oil. Precious. It's not canola. Come on, somebody. When you read in Exodus, they had all these kind of herbs and all these kind of spices that went into making this oil different oil. Different oil. And and so this oil, listen to me, this oil carried an aroma. It carried a fragrance. Uh, When when Aaron came, you could smell the oil on him. It was precious oil. It it was different oil. And, And by the way, your marriage carries a fragrance that people can just get around you and go, man, they're all right. Or they get around you and go, you got some burnt toast up in here, baby, let me tell you. Something's smelling up in here. (laughs) Division and disunity can be fixed with oil. The oil of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God, and we read it. I'm saying the same thing over and over until you get it. The Scripture tells us, make a decision to dwell together. Dwell together. And just by the way, this precious oil, this precious anointment, this precious oil that Aaron was anointed with that was just for the priests, again, I'm taking that that analogy and bringing it to our marriage, is that there is a special oil for your marriage. Listen, there is a special oil for your marriage just for you. So, so, so by the way, in the culture we're living in, I I feel like I got to say this. There is no oil of unity outside of your marriage. There's no oil of unity for you and a girl on the side. There's no oil for you and the person that you're hooked up with. There, there, There is no together anointing spirit Holy Spirit oil. It's not there. There can be a fleshly connection. There can be a soulmate kind of thing going on. But there is no oil of unity. Because the only way it works is in the marriage covenant. As the marriage partners commit to being together as husband and wife. It's the only way it's going to work. And so there can be, there can be likes and we like to do this. And, uh, oh, but, but if you got a little something on the side... And you're messing with the one you're supposed to be in covenant relationship with. There will be no oil. There will be no presence of the Lord. And what you've opened yourself to is heartache and pain for you. And God for, forbid it to happen. But the children that are, that are there to see it all go up in flames. So God says, I'm going to work on you. I'm going to work in you. I want to make I want to make my presence the number one thing in your life. And And and, uh, it's a beautiful thing when, when it's it's a pleasant thing, it's a good thing when brothers dwell together in union, couples dwell together in union, It's, it's like this oil. It's like this oil on Aaron's head and it's going to affect your mind, how you think. And it's going to come down to your mouth and it's going to come down to how you speak and you bless and you love and you care and you concern and you pray and you uplift and you edify one another. And it's going to get down to your feet and where you go and how you do life and how you manage money and how you raise kids and what you do with the future and how you plan a life together. <laughs> he says it's going to affect everything. But then he gives us another picture and here's a picture of what we see. He says this, it's like the dew, it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. So, so let's give you a, a little bit of a picture of what's going on in the psalmist and the people of Israel understand this. The, the, the nation of Israel is a very small you know, country. So the people knew exactly what he's talking about it. But, but here what we see is that it's, it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion is that we know that the dew, like rain, brings refreshing, that's what dew does. It brings refreshing. And, and, it, and it tells us, it. it, it we know this, it, the rain descends and the rain, it falls or it flows. It comes from God. And, and this is exactly like the dew. Now, Mount Hermon is in northern Israel. Mount Zion is in southern Israel. Mount Hermon is 9,000 feet above sea level. And it's that just because of the elevation difference it experiences all kinds of cool nights and in the morning there's heavy dew but mount zion is only 2400 feet above sea level it's arid it's more deserty it has little dew little little rain and no moisture but the scripture says let's put that back up there a moment if we could it's like the dew of hermon notice that it's like the dew of hermon northern israel that descends upon the Mount of Zion in southern Israel. What's that telling you and I? That this anointing of oil is going to change my life, but this anointing, like rain, is going to start high, and it's going to come low. It's going to be from God, and it's going to work its way down. But the picture in the marriage relationship is that this anointing, this refreshing... This joy that can come in my life, this, this do in my life, when I'm up, when I'm feeling it, when I'm on the top of the mountain and my wife's not, I've got a refreshing for her. I'm able to be strong when she's weak. And when I'm going through and I've experienced pain and the work's struggling and, and I'm not getting it and I'm feeling frustrated, yet she's a Mount Hermon for me and she's refreshing me. This is how we dwell together in unity. Yeah. Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you, Jesus talking, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. Book of Deuteronomy says one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Again, the power of multiplication the power when we join together and we pray. And honey, I'm going through a tough time. Would you pray for me? Well, how, how come you just can't pray for yourself? Well, we're together up in here. Would you pray for me, you knucklehead? Come on, somebody. <laughs> well, I don't know how to pray. Well, you better get to know how to pray. Man. And so the, the, this Mount Hermon and this Mount Zion and the desert regions and the arid reg- regions of Israel, uh, the the only way that, that, that things can grow was was. So much so that this dew from Mount Hermon that enjoyed the richness and it was lush and it was 9,000 feet. All's green, Mammoth, Tahoe, without the snow. It's all green, it's beautiful. But, but, but I'm down here in Death Valley. I'm down here where it's arid. And I only get rain once a year. God says, I got you. The rain's going to descend. The rain's going to flow. If you'll stay unified, you'll stay together. The scripture ended with beautiful. It said, this is the place. Th- this place here, in this place of unity, God talking, I've commanded the blessing. Did you get that? I've commanded the blessing. In other words, there's no blessing outside of the unity. There's no blessing outside of the oil of the Spirit. There's no blessing outside of the dew of the presence, the refreshing of the Holy Spirit working in the relationship. There, in that place of unity, the place of togetherness, that place of of working out all those things in your life that you got to do, I've I've commanded, commanded the blessing. The blessing, the word blessing is mentioned over and over and over in the Old Testament. I like just to say it this way: is that the word blessing just means that God has empowered you and I to prosper. I'm not talking about, you know, millions of dollars in your pocket. I could care less about that. But you know, praise the Lord for prosperity. But I want my marriage to prosper. God's given me the empowerment to prosper in every area of my life. Power to prosper as a dad, as a mom, as a business leader, as a worker, as a dream team member serving God here in the church. God's empowered you to prosper. There I've commanded my blessing unity. We all probably know churches that have been dissolved or destroyed because of disunity. Same way in a family, same way in a church, same way in a business, same way in a government in America. The devil tries to bring in division. Tries to bring in discord. Fight to stay united. To stay together. Talk it out. Don't be together just for convenience. Don't be together, just we're, we're, we're just partners. We're, we're just soulmates up in here. Come on, get beyond that. We're believers in Jesus Christ. We're one together. There's been a mingling, there's been a sharing of my life with you. I want us to make it to the finish line. Not all bent and broke up and frustrated and angry and old and, and bitter and negative. No, happy and joyful and glad for every season that God's brought us through. Can anybody say amen? Yeah. Come on, clap. Let's clap a little bit better than that. Let let, let me just give you let me just give you as we we button up this series uh, today. Let me just give you three simple thoughts to think about natural thoughts when it comes to marriage uh, to just stay together, to stay unified. Number one, just let me encourage you to date each other, date each other. You dated before you were married. Keep dating each other. Have fun, laugh together. Pastor Kimber and I do it all the time. Just, hey, let's go have lunch. Let's go get coffee. Let's just go walk around the block. Let's hold hands. Let's sit on the couch and hold hands. Come on, we're like old like that. Come on, somebody. So have fun, I just learn, laugh, enjoy each other. Look, kind I encourage you when you date? This is just me. Other people have different things to say about it that are probably a whole lot wiser than me. They, they, they say when you get together and you date, you know, talk about stuff you need to talk about, like heavy stuff. I don't want to talk about nothing heavy when I'm out of date. I'm here to eat popcorn, watch a movie, and have fun. Kiss my wife and go park. Come on, somebody. I don't want to make it heavy, so just date. Learn, learn how to enjoy each other. And just with that, let me encourage you to talk. Just talk, talk. And so there's times in our life, you know, like it was just like the other yesterday, as a matter of fact. It happens almost every day. Can I be honest with you? Almost every day. Not just Kimberly, but it's both of us. She, she said something to me and she started saying something, ha ha. Hang on. Not right now. I'm not ready to go there right now. I'll tell you when I'm ready. And she said, okay, okay. So we'll schedule it. We got to talk real. We got to talk things out. We got to iron some things out when it's real. uh, uh, um, uh, Make disagreements in marriage normative. Make disagreements. There there is absolutely no. We we are two different people coming from two different things. I'm a man. I'm right. She's a woman. And you know, (laughs) how many know we got to talk that out? Just don't make it combative. We're talking it out. We're, we're talking it out. And, and, and with it, can I say this humorously? But just to stay together, you, you gotta learn how to fight. <laughs> can I? I, 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 when, when, before I got married, I was listening to some guys and they said, we're married, we never fight. And I'm going, oh Jesus, somebody's lying up in here or, or somebody just doesn't feel good about themselves and their view. And so they're a pacifist. And so learn to fight. Can I say, learn to fight fair. There's no name calling. There's no child games. Listen, we're fighting for each other. We're not fighting for the right to be right. I'm fighting for this marriage. Here's what I see. I'm super passionate. Uh, And then she's super passionate. Uh, And we got to figure it out before we kill each other. Come on, everybody. But learn to fight. Learn to fight. Not with name-calling, and don't go to bed when you're angry. Deal with it before you put your head on the pillow. Say, come here, honey, I'm we'll kiss you. And she just kind of gave me, oh, yeah, yeah. come on now, come, give me some lip up in here. She's real cute. I'm not, yeah, it's a whole other thing. We're working on that. Anyway. The piano went low. We went low. We went low. Boom. Listen. Simple to say, going to take a lifetime to do it. Live together. Eat together. Pray together. Have fun together. Pay the bills together. Go to church together. Raise the kids together. Listen, do life together. If you do that unified, come on. Jesus is going to be Lord, and you're going to see your life change. Amen, everybody? Yeah. I want to do something this morning, if it's okay. Come up here, Kimberly, would you do that? I want to pray for our marriages this morning. Thanks, Mario. Thank you. Um, Here's what I want to do. Everybody that's in the room and you're married, whether your spouse is with you or not, maybe they're working, maybe they're not here, whatever. Come on, stand up. If you're in the room, you're married. Your spouse is with you or not, doesn't matter. Come on, hold their hand. Would you do it? Come on, hold their hand. Hold their hand. I'm going to pray for our marriages. Come on, bow your head. Father, all over the room, we pray for every marriage in our church. Those here, those online. Those that spouses aren't here today. Father, we pray there'd be a supernatural hedge of protection around our marriages. Father, keep us from evil. Keep us, as you said, Jesus, you said you'd pray for us, that you keep us from the evil one, the lies, deceit, strategies, and schemes of the enemy. Father, I pray that after this series, and even after this message, there's going to be a unity and an accord, a togetherness in marriages in our church like never before. Marriages are going to be strengthened, going to be healed, going to be delivered. Father, I pray for the oil of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God like never before in these marriages. I pray for the refreshing of joy, the very rain, the dew of God to fall and descend on every marriage, young and old. Father, we pray, we pray that husbands would love their wives as Christ loves the church that wives would love their husbands and there'd be a mutual submission one toward the other, and that the marriages in our church would be strengthened, families would be taught the Word of God, and that there would be a unity never before seen, and an aroma, a smell, a fragrance that smells like heaven. Bring healing to every marriage right now, Lord God. I pray that marriages in the church that need help would find help. If it's a counselor or a therapist, marriages in the church would find a marriage mentor. And Father, we would go from this place this year and come back in 2024 and say, look what the Lord has done. The Lord's worked a work in our marriage. To God be the glory. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, everybody else, stand up. Come on, can you do that? Yeah. Father, we just pray for every person in the room, every single person, every divorced person, every person that's maybe looking to be married, every person that's gone through a tragedy and gone through a a heartache, Father. If, If they're looking for a spouse, if they're desiring a spouse, Father, we know We know that marriage is ordained by God. Father, I pray that you keep them from the evil man or the evil woman, like you tell us in the book of Proverbs, that we will not look for what you've not brought to us. You brought the woman to the man. And Father, there is a finding, there's a knowing that how you brought someone into our life. Let that awareness, that discernment be for every single person that's looking and desiring a spouse in these days ahead. Father, we pray that the light of God, the love of God will lead them and guide them and direct them. We speak blessing over every single person in the room today that again, you keep them, you protect them. You'd be a shield to them, oh God. You would be the glory and the lifter of their head. We bless you, we honor you, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Come on, God's people said amen. amen. Come on, guys. Come on, kiss your wife. Kiss your husband. You're close.